Hey, welcome everyone, Aaron here. So good to be with you. Hey parents, real quickly, just below, there's a link below, there should be a, for a video that Trish put together. Be a great opportunity for your kids to watch the lesson that she provided below. Uh, for, for the rest of us, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us this morning. We're in an ongoing series called Rooted. What does it look like to stay rooted in Jesus, especially during a time like this? Now, today we're gonna be talking about being rooted in community. Now, you might be wondering, why community? Like, aren't we supposed to be sheltering in place and kind of staying at home? How are we supposed to practice community? Like, how does that actually work in a season like this? I mean, are you just gonna tell us, like, we need to be on Zoom more and, you know, do some of the Zoom hangouts now? Not necessarily, but for me, I'm highly, highly introverted, introverted, believe it or not. You know, I love being alone. I love being by myself to read and have time to reflect and think. But this current moment at the same time has revealed this deep, deep longing that I have to simply just hang out and be with people. You know, I think of Paul's line to the Thessalonian church where he writes that we pray earnestly for you day and night that we might see you face to face. And for me, I just so resonate with that. I just can't wait for the day where we can be together again face to face, even if it is from six feet apart. You know, see for me, the church is all about this embodied physical reality. I mean, a few weeks ago, I just finished this little book called Analog Church with one of the best subtitles ever, which said, why we need real people, real places, and real things in the digital age. I mean, it's, it's so good. See, it's all about being around a table in relationships, in community, about breaking bread together, about partaking of the wine together. It's about hearing the good news of Jesus proclaimed together in the flesh. It's about like what Paul says in, in his letter to the Colossians about singing hymns and songs to one another. And the reality is, is that a lot of these things are just so much harder to do, especially in times like this. You know, I'm reminded of Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his short little amazing book on community called Life Together. He writes that the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength for the believer. And again, I so resonate with that. Maybe you're like me, you feel that, you feel this angst of wanting to be in relationship and be in, in close proximity with other people together. But maybe you don't. Maybe you're someone like Matt Labosh, who's a New York Times columnist. He recently wrote this opinion piece where he said, I can't wait for social distancing to end so I can be alone again. And his point was simply that with the advent of social distancing, this season for some has proven to be even more taxing and more tiring when it comes to people and relationships. I mean, maybe for some, depending on your work, you're on more Zoom calls than ever before or you're talking on the phone a lot more and that Zoom fatigue, it's real, it, it's, it's tiring at times. I mean, but it's not all bad though, right? I mean, and you know, in fact, our well community just recently, a few weeks ago, had this game night over Zoom. And it was a ton of fun when we played kind of this get to know you trivia game where we stayed up fairly late after the kids went to bed, just talking about all sorts of random things that we've done or learned about each other. And it was just, again, a ton of fun, you know, and it's something that we would have never really talked about or done before had it not been for this season. But the thing is with social distancing and sheltering in place, there's this thing, you know, where you can't just say to someone who invites you for like a Zoom hangout or, or whatever, you can't just say, you know what, I just need a night at home. I just got to stay home tonight. I mean, because guess what? Like we're all at home 
all of the time. You see, my point is, is that we might just be all over the map with regards to our desire and hunger for community and relationship. You know, but what I really want to talk about today is that as followers of Jesus, we need to be rooted in community and relationship now more than ever. But the question comes, though, what does this look like with, you know, six feet social distancing in place and a stay at home order in the works with a whole ton of uncertainty in the future? What does this all mean? What does this all look like? Well, to press into this, I really want to take some time to look at a paragraph or two from Paul's letter to the Galatians. So if you have your copy of the scriptures, I invite you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6. Now, real quickly, Galatians is a first century letter written by the pastor missionary named Paul to a network of house churches, a network of followers of Jesus in the Roman province of Galatia. And from what we can tell from earlier parts in the letter, that this letter was written to a community of Jesus followers, that there was some friction, some tension going on. There's areas of discord and conflict on what it means to be a part of the family of God. But by the end of the letter, Paul writes to the church in Galatia, invites them to no longer live in their old ways of selfishness and envy, of basically living as individuals for themselves, but to rather live as a community empowered by God's Spirit where love and joy and peace and patience are just abounding and overflowing. So as we come to Galatians 6 then, Paul is expanding on what it looks like to be empowered by God's Spirit as the community of Jesus' followers. So with that in mind, let's read Galatians 6, starting in verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch over yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one test his own work. Then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. Paul then says in verse 9, And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have every opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are in the household of faith. Now, as we kind of begin our time here, I want to really focus on this really big idea in verse 2. Where notice where Paul says to, that we are to bear, or another way to translate that is to carry one another's burdens. And in this way, Paul says, we fulfill the law of Christ. See the logic there? That when we bear or carry one another's burdens, and we'll talk about that in a second, we are fulfilling the law, or another way to translate that is the teaching of Christ. Now, what does that mean? What is the law or the teaching of Christ? What does that moniker even mean? Well, real simply, Jesus at, at many points, really, throughout his teachings and his ministry, summarized the main value of the ethic of the kingdom of God in one simple phrase, to love God and to love neighbor. That was the greatest commandment, right? I mean, even so in context, if you just kind of look back a paragraph or two in your Bibles, in Galatians 5, verse 14, Paul said that by loving our neighbor, we, quote, fulfill the whole law. So all that to say, whatever bearing one another's burdens means, it's a key way of demonstrating our love for both God and our love for neighbor. You know, but I also want to compare what we just talked about in verse 2 to verse 5, where Paul says, each one will have to bear, same word as in verse 2, his own load. Now, which one is it? Are we supposed to bear each other's burdens, or does each person 
Are they supposed to just kind of be on their own, carry their own load? Like, is Paul contradicting himself? What, what's going on there? Well, to tell part of what's going on or to, to speak into what Paul's going on, I think it's important to distinguish between two things where Paul says a burden versus a load. See, one writer I respect talks about a load being like a backpack, like your backpack or responsibilities. Now, a backpack is something, you know, we can, most of us can all just carry on ourselves. It's a part of being human, right? We have responsibilities in daily life that we take care of. And as we grow, more often than not, we can handle maybe a little bit more. You know, maybe just sort of like a, a quick example to sort of flesh this out. You know, our daughter Sienna, she just turned five back in early April. And as she continues to grow, we're training her to hopefully be more responsible. Her sort of backpack of responsibilities, if you will, is increasing. So as she's turned five, she's able to do a lot more fun things. She's riding her bike without training wheels. She's learning how to crochet and knit on her own. She's learning to read and write. She's able to do a lot more, yet we're also training her to be more responsible for things, not just the fun stuff, right? So she participates in cleaning up after dinner. You know, we don't put her toys away, or at least we try not to. And in some cases, we're trying to give her, you know, a dime, a quarter here and there as a way for help her to practice stewarding and being responsible with money. It's, it's about her backpack of responsibilities, her load sort of increasing as she grows up. And I think this is something kind of like what Paul is talking about with the load. It's like a backpack, something you can carry. But a burden, on the other hand, is more likened to, as one person described, as like a massive sofa or couch. You know, most of us, right, we can't carry like a sofa or a couch on our own. You know, last fall, my family and I, we moved from Seaside over to PG and we had some really good friends help us move. And one of them was joking around on how they were going to try to move our two-person couch all by themselves. And they, he tried to do it by himself. You know who you are. And see, a couch though, right, requires more than one person to carry. It's a heavy burden, right? And even if the, you're especially going downstairs or have like a weird kind of angle to go through, it might even take more than two people to carry a couch. You know, Al Abdullah, he's a pastor, spiritual director in Boston, writes this about burdens. He says that a burden is like a heaviness or a weight that weighs down on your soul and makes us weary and fragments our mind, making it hard to clearly think or focus. And you know, I can relate to that. And I think this is where community and relationships really come into play, especially, especially in this season. You know, there's this part of me, right? Like, see, if we were all together in person, I'd ask you right now to maybe like raise your hands and say, do you feel like you have a burden in life right now? You know, and, and maybe just ask yourself that question. What burdens do you have? And I think if we're honest, most of us in this season, especially feel like a sense of there's burdens in our life. You know, on one level, it kind of feels like we're trying to build an airplane as it's taking off or as it's flying, like it's a bit much, it's a bit overwhelming at times, you know? So what do we do? Like what, what steps can we take? Well, notice what Paul says in our text. Look at verse three. Right after Paul tells the church in Galatia to bear one another's burdens, Paul says in verse three, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Now, What's Paul saying? Well, at one level, Paul is warning against this thinking that either number one, you really don't have any burdens and you're fine and you can just coast, you're all good. And number two, warning against, you can handle it on your own, thinking that you actually, in the language of Paul, you are something when Paul says you're really just nothing. 
to use Paul's language. See, regardless of the shelter or in place or not, we still live in a very individualistic culture where there's this rampant attitude that says, I don't need help, I can do it on my own, I'm fine, just I can take care of myself, right? That can-do attitude. But Paul warns against this way of thinking. See, I think the first thing, though, that Paul's inviting us to do is to be honest, that we can't be afraid to reach out and ask for help, whether it's someone in our well community or within the sphere of people that we know here at Wellspring, that we don't rob the opportunity of someone else to serve you, to help you, to carry and bear your burdens with you. For some of us, this is easier for us than others, right? If we're honest, though, none of us have this figured out at all, right? Again, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I've been reading his book, Life Together, says this, that no new creation can grow as an isolated individual. I mean, think about a garden, right? I mean, the whole language of even new creation. If you even skip down to the end of Galatians 6, Paul talks about the new creation. That's chocked full of echoes to the Garden of Eden. My wife, Cheyenne, has this beautiful little garden in our backyard. And the thing about a garden is, is that one little plant can't flourish and function individually on its own without the whole other ecosystem of bugs and soil and water and even other plants to be a part of. That there is an ecosystem there, a community that needs to be together. In other words, the attitude that says, I don't really need to engage in relationships is actually missing out on a profound opportunity for growth and flourishing that God wants to bring. You know, that's why I think Paul and the writers of the New Testament constantly are talking about the importance of relationships and community. I even think of in the book of Acts where the early church is starting and the community is staying together and the text in Acts says at one point that there was no needy person among them. See, what was beautiful about the early church in Acts is that as needs were arising to the surface, needs were actually being met within the community of, of believers. In other words, it wasn't just Peter and James and John, the leaders that were, quote, doing the ministry and meeting needs. It was the people within the church that they were the ones that were responding and taking care of the needs of others within already existing relationships. That in the moments of opportunity and need, in the moments for even pastoral care, the community of Jesus followers comes to help and offer practical care and support within the context of relationships and community. Again, the Church of Acts wasn't perfect, but we see a beautiful thing there. But there was something else back in our passage in Galatians 6. Notice the context as he's talking about bearing one another's burdens. Before he tells the church to bear one another's burdens, Paul says this in verse 1. Verse 1, brothers and sisters, again, notice the, the familial language. We're a family. If anyone is caught in a transgression, the idea of a transgression can be likened to falling down or falling down even to a mud hole of sorts. It's messy. It's dirty. dirty. So brothers and sisters, if you're caught in a transgression, Paul says, you who are spiritual, meaning empowered by God's spirit, you who are spiritual, restore. And that word restore can literally refer to mending a broken bone back into place. You who are spiritual, restore or put back the person with a spirit of gentleness, meaning we don't have this like higher than thou, better than thou attitude of looking down on each other. But Paul says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. See, in other words, as you bear one another's burdens, which in context seems to be referring to perhaps wrongdoing and sin within 
relationships. Don't have this superiority attitude of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe so-and-so is dealing with, you know, you fill in the blank. See, within the community of Jesus, we are to come alongside each other in our struggles and sin. You know, I talked about honesty just a moment ago, and I think especially in the context of Galatians 6, where I think the primary reference to burdens has to do with what Paul calls transgressions or sin. It's within the loving, safe, forgiving, grace-filled, spirit-empowered community that we share these burdens, that we come alongside each other in grace. See, if anything, the stay-at-home order is revealing all sorts of sins and transgressions in my own life. I've been more irritable and frustrated than I've ever been before. I mean, this stuff has always been here. You know, now the current moment, the Sultan place isn't like to blame for this. Rather, it's kind of like a water bottle without a lid where there's water in it. And as it's being shaken, the water just comes out. What's already been there on the inside is going to come out as it's shaken. And this is the reason why Paul, Paul's vision of community and really the whole library of scripture's vision of community is that we come together and bear one another's burdens in relationship alongside each other. It's essential and it's vital. But what does this all look like on the ground in a season where, again, where we can't physically meet together? How do we creatively and faithfully still practice community in the way of Jesus, especially in context of bearing one another's burdens in this season? Well, again, there's so much we could say about this, but let me just offer sort of two simple reflections to kind of land us on the ground here. Number one, is there a burden you can courageously share today? You know, I think, again, one of the first practical steps of being real in community is being willing to share burdens with others. Maybe it's your emotional state. Maybe it's the feelings that you have. Maybe it's just how you need to be able to talk with someone. Or maybe old habits that aren't aligned with the way of Jesus are coming to the surface. And you need to verbally process that with someone and to have an encourager come alongside you along the way. You know, and remember, no shame at all. In the community of Jesus, there's ample room for imperfect, struggling people. There's not actually a whole lot of room for people who think they're better than others. And at the same time, though, this does take a sense of courage. It does take even a sense of humility. Now, there might be burdens that we can't like legally share right now with the stay-at-home order and things like that. We can't socially gather in large groups. So maybe for parents who need a little space and a date night, you know, at least right now, we can't really watch each other's kids in community like I know we would be so great at. But thinking ahead here, hopefully soon, we can gather together maybe in smaller groups and of course following all the guidelines and all of that. But if and when that happens, let's already be thinking and praying about creative ways where we can physically and relationally carry each other's burdens in community. Maybe at that time it's having someone over to your home or to watch someone else's kids or just surprising someone and bringing them dinner just sort of out of the blue if you could. I mean, the list is endless. Where is the Spirit inviting you in that? But don't forget as well, Jesus himself wants to take our burdens. I mean, the poet of Psalm 55 says, cast your burdens upon the Lord. And even more famously, again, Jesus, who grew up reading the Psalms as a child, says in Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why? Well, because Jesus says, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. For my yoke or my way of being in the world is easy and my, what? Here's the word, my, my burden, my burden is light, Jesus says. 
You know, I find it so interesting that so much of Jesus' language in Matthew 11 is getting picked up by Paul in Galatians 6. Did you notice that? Right? Language of being weary and burdened are in both passages. It's almost as if Paul is saying that as the body of Jesus, we, yes, come to Jesus, but we also can come to each other as the body of Christ with our burdens, with our worries. That leads me to kind of our second reflection. Number two, does someone else have a burden that I can courageously step in and bear, or at least come alongside? Remember the big couch, it's coming alongside to lift each other up. Who in your sphere of relationships, or maybe in your well community, maybe has a burden that I can help bear right now? Again, we're facing some restrictions with social distancing, but that shouldn't stop Jesus' people from bearing each other's burdens in creative ways by showing love. You know. I think, as I've been thinking about this, I think of the story of Ruth in the Old Testament. It's a short little book, but in that book, Ruth and Naomi are confronted with a tremendous amount of hardship, Naomi in particular. I mean, she finds herself lonely because she lost her husband. Naomi's angry towards God, and because of a famine, she's in a state of financial poverty. I mean, come now, tell me the Bible isn't relevant to situations that we face on a daily basis. And what happens over the course of Ruth, it's just four short chapters, and I would just even encourage you and invite you to read the book of Ruth this week and ask the Spirit, how can I come alongside someone and bear someone else's burdens with them? On one level, again, I invite you to read the book of Ruth, but as you read the book of Ruth, notice how Ruth is coming alongside and bearing the burdens of Naomi, especially in the early part of that book. Allow the Spirit to speak. Allow the Spirit to lead and prompt you. Maybe it's something simple as sending a text or setting up a phone call or a Zoom time or doing a porch visit with someone. I mean, but here's the thing. Don't fall into the temptation to go further into isolation, to think, oh, I'll just kind of hunker down and wait till this season passes and we can get back to normal. No, no, really press into more community, not less in this season especially for those of you who find yourself with maybe a little bit of extra time. And I get, this life, stage, stage of life, all of that plays a factor. But really pray for each other in our burdens. And as we close today, I also just want to acknowledge that living in community isn't easy. It can be hard. Again, especially now, like the Zoom fatigue can be real. And it might not be ideal. It may not be your favorite thing to do. And the danger is, is that we let those thoughts of like, this is not what I want, this isn't ideal, to then dictate and even hinder our participation in community and kind of rob us of the joy of being in relationship with others. Again, I love what Bonhoeffer has to say about idealism in community. He says, he who lives with his dream of community more than Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. So the invitation for the week ahead is to come before Jesus, who invites us with, to come with all of our burdens and our weariness, to come to him, to process, to ask questions, and to ask, what burdens can I share with Jesus and with others? And what burdens can I bear as part of the body of Christ? And allow the Spirit to speak creatively into that process. I mean, later on in our passage here, Paul's going to say in verse 8, for the one who sows to his flesh, meaning just selfishness or individuality or dissensions or anger, things that are just about you, Paul says, well, from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, Paul says, love, joy, peace, patience in community, Paul says, will reap from the Spirit eternal life, life in the presence of God. 
And in this process, I love what Paul then says in verse 9. I take this as like a word from the Spirit of God this morning. Do not grow weary in doing good, for we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, even the opportunities and shelter in place, even though it may not be ideal, I believe that there's still tremendous opportunity to practice community. As we have the opportunity, let us do good to one another, especially to those who belong to the household of faith. You know, and friends, again, I just want to encourage you and invite you to be open to what the Spirit is leading you to. That we would sow to the Spirit's work. That the Spirit is about bringing us together that the fruit of His Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience, would begin to abound more, not less, in this season. You know, my dream and my hope is that as we come out of this shelter in place, hopefully sooner rather than later, that we would be deeper in relationship and deeper in community. That we would come out of this season that has been maybe so hard for so many of us with a deeper hunger and thirst and desire to be in the presence of one another and to be into the presence of Jesus. And that as we sow to the Spirit, let, it, let the Spirit do His work in and through our lives. And that we would take Paul's words seriously where Paul again says, do not grow weary in doing good. I know for many of us, this, this thing is going maybe longer than we expected. And maybe the Spirit's invitation to you is do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary in doing good, for we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So if we have the opportunity, and I it would encourage you to recognize that there is opportunity. As we have opportunity in this shelter in place, May we find ways to bear one another's burdens. The opportunity Paul's talking about is in context of bearing one another's burdens. And lastly, I just want to finish and echo what I mentioned just previously a moment ago about how Jesus himself wants us to come to him too with all of our burdens. Again, come to me, all who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, for my yoke is easy. And Jesus says, my burden is light. And so as we come to Jesus, as we come to him, may we just hear the Spirit's invitation to not go further into isolation, but go further into community, reaching out to someone, finding creative ways to stay in connection with one another. And my hope and prayer, again, is that we become a closer community over the course of these weeks and months as we shelter in place, not more isolated and alone. And so as followers of Jesus, again, the invitation is to come before Him, lay your burdens before Him, share your burdens with one another as the body of Christ, and allow the Spirit to do the work that only the Spirit can do. You know, I want to pray for us in a second here. And after I pray, we're going to have about 60 seconds to maybe pause and reflect on some of these things. Where is the Spirit leading you this week? Where would the Spirit have you perhaps courageously share a burden with someone else in the body of Christ? Where would the Spirit have you maybe reach out and see, how can I take on someone's burden, whether it's through prayer or through bringing a meal or whatever the case may be? Where is the Spirit inviting you? Again, with that said, let me just take a moment to pray for us. Jesus, we are just so grateful for the work that you've done on our behalf. That you have 
made a way for us to be a part of your family, brothers and sisters in you. And God, I pray that we would not take that for granted. That God, you would give us the courage to press into deeper relationships in this season. That you would animate us by your spirit to figure out creative ways to stay connected, to stay plugged in. And that for all of us, that we would not grow weary in doing good. And that we would sow to your spirit, longing for more of you. So Holy Spirit, come. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. We love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your powerful name. Amen.